0: Hello, TCC. My name is Isaiah Park, and this is my sister Lydia Park, and we have been attending TCC for almost seven years. Today's scripture will be from 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, and we'll be reading from the NIV. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit th- that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. The word of the Lord. That is worthy of applause. Isaiah and Lydia, you guys did great. If you didn't know, Isaiah and Lydia's parents are Jenny and James Park. Jenny works part-time in looking after all the bookings for our facility, which is a busy place at times, lots of moving pieces, and James is currently the chair of our of our elder team. And so, very, very grateful for the, Jay- the Park family. Was I saying James' family? Yeah, see? I think it was on my mind this morning. Well, most of us have had the experience of probably getting some scam emails Um, some are obvious others not so much but when we do see them they do require us to be wise and discerning don't they now we have junk folders and you know automatically Google or whatever platform maybe you use that does some of the work for us at least most of the time I've discovered sometimes you'll find a rather important email in your junk box and other times you'll find junk email in your inbox but discerning truth from what is false is not all now some scammers are just really good at what they do and it's hard to tell sometimes and many people get duped through online scams in fact i did a quick search and that last year in Canada alone, in 2022, it's estimated that over 530 million dollars was uh, captured by fraudulent hucksters online. Now, the technical term that is used for this activity is called phishing, and it's spelt not, but. P-H-I-S-I-N-G. It's the fraudulent practice of sending emails or other messages pretending to be from reputable companies in order to trick people to revealing personal information such as passwords and credit card numbers. Now, here's a real example that has happened many times, actually, at TCC. Scammers like to pretend to be me. I feel pretty honored by that. But uh, I th- what they do is they go onto to our church website, they see that I'm the lead pastor, they, they assume that most of our staff uh, will just do whatever I ask them to do um, and even some of you have received some of these kind of emails. Now let me just say up front as kind of a public service announcement for all of you, okay? If I or any staff member ever email you and ask you to, you know, go get uh, gift cards cards, scratch off the number off the back, send pictures of them, because I am in a prayer meeting, um, it's uh, something you should probably just ignore. Or at least phone and check in, because we would never do that. We would probably phone and ask you to send us gift cards and uh, things like that. (laughs) Um, But I actually had a thread that it was funny. So here's the email. It goes like this. Good morning, and I won't uh, indicate who the person is, but just good morning by first name. Have you got a minute? I need you to complete a task for me. P.S., I'll be going into a meeting now, so just reply here. Okay? So that should be the first clue. It's just like, well, he doesn't really want to talk. Just keep it to email. So this person says, I am available. Okay, I need you to get me some gift cards. I have a few people I want to send gifts to. Let me know if it's possible for you to get them now so I can tell you which product is needed and the amount you will be reimbursed. Sounds so far so good. I am free right now, this person responded. Tell me what you want. At that point, she did become suspicious and reached out to me via text. I said, no, that's not me, but please send me uh, the email so that I can keep it from my records and use it as a sermon illustration someday. <laughs> But this is what they then said. Okay, what I need is four Google Play gift cards of $100 value each. It's a total of $400. You'll get the physical cards at the score. Scratch out the back of the cards to reveal the codes. And send me the pictures of the back of the cards revealing the codes here. Keep the physical cards for me. Right? Starts sounding a little bit legit. How long will this take you? And let me know how you want your money back. Thank you. All play, right? It all sounds good. But it was a scam. And oftentimes, our staff have gotten similar emails from me, and, uh, and we now kind of know what to pay attention to. And hopefully, uh, you haven't fallen to that. Maybe you're sitting there going, oh, no. Um, but uh, that's what we, what we don't want to do. You see, most of the online scams are about money. Um, and that's cause enough for concern. But how much more do we need to be wise and discerning when it comes Spiritual matters and spiritual truth in today's passage that uh, isaiah and lydia read for us john is concerned with once again being led astray uh, duped not by scammers but by false prophets he provides a warning and an encouragement to t- so i'm cutting in and out is that my pack or is the pulpit mic do you want to switch So we have been uh, looking at the letter of 1st John, and we will continue to finish that. And then 2nd and 3rd John, they're just probably one week each. Uh, but under the kind of the heading of certainty in confusing times, because the cultural landscape that we live in just feels like total chaos at times, doesn't it? From some of the technological advances to social media and all of the hot button political issues, it's easy for us to become disoriented and confused. And the church and truth itself is not immune. And so we find ourselves asking the question, what is it that I believe? How then should I live? Well, John's letter is giving giving us a framework for us to discover how we can have certainty in confusing times. Now, if you've been following along with us, you'll know that John's letter is not for the faint of heart. It's bold. It's direct. And sometimes a little, even a little in your face. And it's not always easy to follow as he tends to jump around and back and forth on some of the same themes over and over. But throughout it, he's making a point. You see, he desperately wants his readers, who he often affectionately refers to as his dear children, to be certain, about, of, of all things, about the relationship that they have with Jesus. Now, at times, he says things that are a little bit jarring, and as you read it, you might find yourself even asking, you know, am I even a believer? Am I even a Christian? Now, many of John's readers, who are two or three generations removed from the historical Jesus, are beginning to question whether they are living the life of a true believer or not. And so, John suggests that there are three tests that anyone can apply to their own lives to help them determine whether or not they are walking in the truth or walking as Jesus walked. So, here are the three tests of John's letter. And so, John is providing these tests so that we can be certain and assured of our relationship with Jesus. And these tests, they really challenge presumption. We don't just automatically assume we are a Christian. Basically, anyone who claims to be a Christian can then examine themselves using these three tests. And the first is the moral or the ethical test. And this just answers the question, how do you live? You see, this is the test of true obedience. It's about doing the right thing. It's about following God's commands. It means not saying one thing on Sunday and then living 180 degrees in contrast to that the rest of the week. You see, is the desire and longing of our hearts to be obedient. That's the first test, this ethical test. The second one is the social or relational test. This answers the question ultimately then, how do I love? It's the test of true love. It's about loving others. You see, we can't simply say that we love and follow God, but then turn around and not love others. This means that I really actually love others, even the ones that maybe I don't really like. But we love them anyways. And the third test is the theological or the doctrinal test. This now answers the question, what do you believe? You see, this is the test of true belief. Do I believe the truth about Jesus? Do I believe what is true, and do I truly believe it? And it's this third test that surfaces in our text today. And this is the question that we're confronted with then ourselves. What do I believe about Jesus? See, this is kind of a big deal, because how we answer that question has enormous consequences. At the time that John wrote this letter, there, there was a crisis in the church. There were those who were leading people astray and people away from what Jesus taught about himself. You see, these teachers were denying that Jesus was actually God in the flesh as he claimed to be. And so John is addressing that and he issues first a warning and a command in verse, um, in verse 1. Dear friends, he says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Now, again, you have the warmth and affection of Grandpa John. He's elderly, but he just cares deeply for for these, these followers of Jesus. His children, he calls them many times. Here he says, dear friends. And because he cares for them, he immediately issues a warning. Do not believe every spirit. Now, as a parent, you probably understand that, right? You love your children, you care for them. And so we spend a lot of our time warning them, right? Do not touch the stove. It's hot. You know, do not do this or do not do that. And then we correct it with right behavior. In other words, when he says, do not believe other spirit, every spirit, Believers should not automatically believe everything that they hear just because someone says it is a message from God. It's really a warning about not being naive or gullible because not every spiritual teacher is a credible teacher. Now John as Jenna pointed out last week, likes to follow the example of Jesus and his teaching. So he starts with the counterpoint or the negative, and he says, Do not believe every spirit before then giving the positive instruction, but test the spirits. And the verb that John, the verbs actually that John uses for both believe and test, they call for this continuous action and vigilance. It's really be on your toes, friends. Have your eyes wide open. And the word for test means to think or to examine closely. And it conveys the idea of putting something to rigorous examination to discover if in fact it's genuine and true. And so John is instructing them to use their minds to closely examine the teaching, the theologies, you know, the doctrines of all their teachers. And this means that they are mentally awake. They they stay sharp. They're growing as Christians intellectually, not to mention also morally and spiritually. You see, when they hear something, they quickly ask, is this sound? Is this true where does it come from this is one of the reasons our mission statement at tcc is to know jesus walk with jesus and to share jesus it's this knowing that ultimately engages the head just as walking engages the heart and sharing engages our hands you see as a christian you don't just check your brains at the door Christianity is, in fact, a thinking faith. You get to know Jesus personally, experientially, yes, but intellectually as well. And as we learn and study, we grow, as Paul says, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul, in writing to the Ephesians in chapter 4 and verses 12 through 14, he's writing there about the roles of pastors and teachers in the church. And he says that this is their their, uh, purpose, he says, to equip his people for works of service. So that, when people are equipped and trained, so that the body of Christ, he says, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, and listen to this, And in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. And so there is a part of our discipleship that when we engage our mind, we're growing in knowledge. And as we grow in knowledge, there's a direct relation then to our maturity and ultimately then to attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And and Paul goes on to say, makes it very interesting, He he says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. See, what's he doing? He he there is setting them up and saying, look, you need to grow intellectually. You need to mature so that you're not just blown around by whatever wind comes our way, whatever teaching, and knowing that there's the cunning and craftiness of people who are deceitful, not just in online scams, but can be deceitful spiritually as well. In Acts chapter 17 the Berean Jews were commended because they didn't just listen to the message being taught it was how they listened and what they did after listen to this he says now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica stinks being from Thessalonica when you're being compared to the to the Bereans right why were they of more noble character were they more godly Were they more spirit-filled? No. He says, for they received the message with great eagerness. Okay? They were eating it up, whatever Paul was teaching. They were excited to hear God's word proclaimed with great eagerness. But it just didn't end there. It says, and they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Isn't that amazing? And friends, that's what makes this a very daunting responsibility. Because whoever gets up here realizes that there's a couple hundred people that are hearing this. And many of you do exactly what the Bereans do. And you sit there and you listen and you go, is this true? Does it resonate with the spirit? Is it true to God's word? And you go home and you examine the word and you study it deeper. And that's encouraging, exciting. And sometimes we get follow-up emails. You said this on Sunday. and Did you mean this? And and it's very, very encouraging. Because teaching and learning and engaging our mind in Christian faith is vitally important. We have what we call at uh, TCC a discipleship framework. Now, it's not really unique to us, but it helps us to stay focused, really, on three elements, and you see it here on on the screen. And we talk about these three pieces of teaching, community, and practices, all empowered and under the authority of the Holy Spirit, over time, ultimately leads to transformation. And so, therefore, we should be people, then, who engage in these activities, The teaching piece. You're here. You're online. That's awesome. Continue to do that. Maybe you're you're on your own and you're listening to some other teachers, but you know, you could find a lot of garbage on YouTube too. And maybe you can find some really good things that help you in your faith. Or you use a, a resource like right now, media, or something to that effect. But here's one of the things that we should be really careful of. Learning and discernment happens best in community. Okay, John writes here, even in the plural, that this discernment or this testing of the spirits is actually a church wide community responsibility, that we discern together in community. And so maybe as we come together, it's because we've been on our own practicing the reading of Scripture and study. You see, when we do these kind of practices, we'll have the foundation to examine or to test the spirits. Because if we know our Bibles, then we can say, well, is this teaching consistent with God's word? You see, why is this so important? Because ultimately it leads to transformation, yes. But what John is saying is actually very straightforward. Because behind every prophet, behind every teaching... There is a spirit, and it's either true or it's false. And the message itself will ultimately inform us of the source of the teaching. Is this from God, or is it from someone else? And that's what John says. He says, test the spirits to see whether they are from God. The assumption, of course, is that they may not be. And so John is actually saying that we need to approach the teaching, yes, with eagerness, but also with a bit of spiritual skepticism. Yeah, that's appropriate. Why? Because we need to beware that John, John writes here, he says, "Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Not just a few, but there are many, and they're everywhere. And this wasn't unique to John's time in the first century. The Old Testament already speaks of false prophets and what to do with them. Jesus himself warned about false prophets, and so did Paul, and so did Peter, and so did Jude, and now so did John. So the message is this just be aware, discern with care. I didn't even mean that to rhyme, but I guess it did. You know? Be aware that's a sign right be aware drive with care you see those up sometimes right be aware discern with care okay you heard it here first right discern with care and so john appropriately warns them and commands them but then he tells them how and what to watch out for so how then do we discern the truth Well, discerning a false prophet can be a challenge because they might appear genuine, but they lead people away from the truth by their false teaching. So how can we discern the truth? Verse 2, he says, this is now how you can recognize the spirit of God, right? So he's saying that they're, they're, you need to test the spirits to see whether they're from God. But this is now how you can recognize the spirit of God. He says every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And the opposite of that is true. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. And so again... I take you back to the foundational question to examine the, any teaching is simply this. What do they believe about Jesus? And what do you believe about Jesus? It always comes back to that. Because that is the fundamental question that sets Christianity apart. Our faith is rooted and grounded ultimately in this question. And that's a huge challenge in a pluralistic society, right? Where something may be true for you, but not for me. And to that, Jesus comes along and he says in John 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, the clear teaching of the Bible is is there's only one way to God, only one way to the Father. It's through Jesus. It's through faith in Jesus. As Daniel Akin in his commentary wrote, he says, if he, that is referring to Jesus, is just another enlightened religious teacher, he is permitted and tolerated as one opinion, one option among many. If however he is the very incarnation of god then the gospel and only the gospel is true and he is the only viable option for salvation amid the multitude of imposters he is the only viable option for salvation so test the spirits we ask the question, the Jesus question. Oh, so sorry. To test the question, the spirits. We ask this Jesus question, of uh, verses two and three. If you're following along, this is how you can discern whether or not someone is speaking truth. Do they acknowledge that Jesus is the incarnate Son of God? Is He the Messiah who has come in the flesh? For you see, if they do not, then verse 3, acknowledge Jesus, that spirit, he says, is not from God. And these two verses, 2 and 3, they, they stand in clear contrast to each other. John is saying that those who deny Jesus as the Son of God are quite simply not of God, and further, are in fact of the spirit of the Antichrist. That is, they are against Christ. So the question of the prophet... In order to discern true from false, is simply, are they confessing the true Jesus? Now, this confession isn't just some words, it's it's a heart filled, mind engaged, soul committed statement. You see, Christianity stands or falls on, on this. That there was a coming together of deity and humanity in the person of Jesus Christ, God's only son. And so whether it's the first century or the 21st century, the question is the same. What do we believe about Jesus? Is he God's son who came to save the world? And today, just in John's day, there are those who are against that truth. You see, the spirit of the Antichrist is alive and wild today. And so, dear friends, I have to ask you again. What do you believe about Jesus? As I said earlier, how you answer that question has significant consequences. You see, Jesus has to be at the center of our theology. And so have you come to a place where you have admitted your need for a savior? Where you believe that it is in fact Jesus who is that savior, who who came, was the, then both fully God and fully human, lived a sinless, perfect life, gave his life on the cross, died, was buried, rose again, ascended into heaven. That's what we sang this morning. This is what we believe. And then do we confess him as Lord? Right? It's one thing to believe that. But then do we say we will surrender and submit to the lordship of Jesus, the authority of the scriptures? Well, the remaining three verses, I think, are just some icing on the cake. But let me run through them quickly. True followers of Jesus are overcomers. Verse 4, you dear children are from God and have overcome them. And again, we see John's love and care. He says, dear children, you are from God. Now I wonder just how that fell on their ears. How does that fall on your ears? If you were a follower of Jesus Christ, to just be told again, you are from God. You are God's child. You are his beloved daughter his beloved son and he says you have overcome them in contrast what's he saying he says listen you've rejected the false teaching They tried to lead you astray, but they failed miserably. So therefore, you have conquered them. The world, the false prophets. John seems to be, I think, writing with a little bit of pride and joy in them. He's he's commending them. He's like, you know, you won. You're a champion. You're a victor. There is power living within you that cannot be overcome. Because chapter 3, verses 23 and 24 is true. Where there he wrote, and this is his command. To believe in the name of his son. There it is again. To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him. And listen to this. And he in them. There's this mutual Abiding, that takes place. And he says, and this is how we then know he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. He gave us the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit who then testifies in our lives that we are his children. That's how we have assurance. That's how we have certainty. Not because we checked the right boxes or we did the right things, but it's because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives that resonates with the teaching of his word that says, yes, that is true of me. Quoting Daniel Aiken again, he says, this is what we would call a divine irony for those who believe in and follow after Jesus. The opposition of Satan, the world system that daily assaults us, faulty worldviews that attempt to confuse us, and our own sinfulness that yearns to enslave us is divinely ordained to fail. Why? Because of this incredible truth in verse 4. Because the one who is in you, that is the Spirit of God, is greater than the one who is in the world. Think about that. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Stephen Curtis Chapman put out a worship album, I think it was like 2016, and there's a song on there called More Than Conquerors. Let me just quote the first verse in the course. Now there is no condemnation, now there is no guilt or shame. For those who have been covered by the blood of Jesus. And now the words of our accuser have been robbed of all their power. And the enemy has been defeated by the blood of Jesus. So we stand with our hearts washed clean. And we lift up our hands and sing. We are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. God, if you are for us... Who can be against us? We are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. God, if you are for us, who can be against us? Friends, have you thought about this? Our God is greater. And it's his spirit that lives within those who come to Jesus, who admit their need, who believe he is the son of God, who confess him as Lord. The Holy Spirit is within us. And that spirit is stronger and wiser and greater and forever in you. My response is, and then just say, well, that's nice. See you again next Sunday. No we are then equipped and motivated to live a faithful life of surrender and obedience, a life of loving, sacrificial service, just like Jesus. I live confidently then, blessed with this supernatural assurance that I am His. And when we are threatened by deception when we're confronted by temptation, overcome with discouragement and anxiety, we remember this glorious truth of verse 4. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Amen? Dear friends, let that truth settle over you. He is in you. Almighty God resides and abides within you. So trust him love him worship him honor him well john concludes with verses five and six let me just read them they again he's referring to them that they've that you his dear children have overcome them and He says, they are from the world, and therefore they speak from the viewpoint of the world, and it's the world that listens to them. And so the world, if a teaching resonates with the world and the world view of so many, John's saying we know where it comes from. then he differentiates and contrasts he says we on the other hand he's referring to him and the apostles he says we are from god and whoever knows god listens to us but whoever is not from god does not listen to us this then ultimately is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood friends we need to be believers followers of jesus who are wise and discerning. So to summarize, test the spirits. Okay, Test the spirits. It just means we need to be wise and discerning instead of being naive and gullible. Test the spirits. Confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Trust the Holy Spirit who is within you and continue to abide in him, staying connected to him through his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of it. We thank you for the power with which your spirit speaks. And so, Father, I pray for my dear friends here today. I pray that they would know that they have overcome that for those ongoing battles that they have, the temptations that they face, that they're already, that they're always just maybe seeking victory in some of those areas. I pray, Father, that we would know that we already have victory because you have overcome. And so, Father, remind us of these truths that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so when we face times where we're just overcome with, you know, discouragement, we're frustrated maybe with our own just failed attempts to, quote, live this Christian life, pray father that we would know with absolute certainty today that the supernatural assurance that comes from the abiding presence of the spirit in our lives and father for those today that might be wrestling with this they they don't have that uncertainty and they think back and think well Have I come to a place where I have exercised the faith that God has given to me? Have I admitted my need for a Savior? Have I believed that Jesus is in fact that Savior? That he is exactly who he claimed to be? And do I now confess him as Lord? Really changing my worldview, changing the way that I live, changing the way that I approach tomorrow morning because I'm no longer doing it on my own. But I've come to this beautiful place, surrendering my life to your spirit. So God, continue to do a great work in each of us and in your church, we pray. In Jesus' name.